Welcome to the program, Blessed Among Men and Women, with Father John Horgan, a program about the men and women the Holy Father has brought to the altar as blessed. And now, here's Father John Horgan. Welcome to our series, Blessed Among Men and Women, the lives of blesseds and saints who've been named to the honors of the altar in recent years by Pope John Paul II. The focus of this series is to make known to you new saints from every time and place, from every culture, whom the Holy Spirit is placing before our eyes today so that they might inspire us to lead the life to which Christ has called us, a life of faith, hope, and love, a life filled with joy so that we can transform the world and make the gospel of Jesus known and loved by all people. Today, I want to tell you about the life of Blessed Gaspar Strangasinger. Blessed Gaspar was a redemptorist priest, and he is invoked as a patron for all students for the priesthood, all seminarians and all young priests who give their lives generously to the service of the gospel and the people of God. Blessed Gaspar was born on January 12, 1871, at Unter a little village near Berchesgarden in the Diocese of Freising in Germany. He was the second of 16 children born to Gaspar and Crescentia Strangasinger, a very devout couple. Baptized the next day, he was given the name Gaspar, after one of the Magi who brought their gifts to the Christ child at Bethlehem. From his earliest childhood, Gaspar learned of the Blessed Mother. His own mother was deeply devoted to Our Lady, and every evening mother and father, together with all their children, would gather up and pray the rosary together and say other prayers for family and for friends. At his mother's side, Gaspar began to attend daily Mass, and he learned most willingly about the love that Jesus has for all of us. He would watch the gestures of the priest so carefully and then come home and build his own little altar where he could play at saying Mass himself and dream of the day when he would stand at an altar. Between 1877 and 1881, young Gaspar went to school at Berchesgarden. He was a good student, dedicated and devoted, but he didn't have any special gifts for his studies, and so his work came very difficult to him. The parish priest, Father Pickler, who was his catechist, prepared him for his first communion and saw in the little boy a great love, a deep faith, and a wonderful desire to serve Christ. He discovered in him a vocation to the priesthood and suggested to Gaspar's parents that he be allowed to prepare the little fellow with extra lessons in Latin and the other studies necessary to one day enter the seminary. In 1881, Gaspar went to Freising, where he took the studies in Latin that would last him five years and prepare him to enter the Archdiocesan High School that was held at the bishop's residence. At first, Gaspar had to live as a day student outside of the high school, and there he stayed with a young father, George Roth, who had been the former chaplain at Birch's Garden and parish priest. In 1882, Gaspar received his confirmation in the cathedral at Freising. He got the best grades only in terms of deportment, conduct, 
straight A's. And at one point, one of his teachers even recommended that Gaspar voluntarily hold himself back and repeat a grade of studies. But Father Roth encouraged the young boy, telling him that Christ needed his love and his heart, and that he would give him everything necessary to fulfill his studies and to one day become a priest. Instead of going out to plague, young Gaspar would sit down with his books, and when he wasn't with his books, the ten-year-old would once again play at celebrating Mass in a set of vestments that the priest's sister, who was his housekeeper, had sewn for him. But Gaspar's teachers were not convinced that the little boy had what was necessary for the studies for the priesthood, and at one point Gaspar's father was ready to pull him out of school and bring him back home. Gaspar was very worried and discouraged. He multiplied his efforts and asked for everyone's prayers. <clears throat> he wrote to family and friends, and he said to the housekeeper, the priest's sister, Oh, please, please help me to pray. Teach me how to pray, and I'll pray for you after you go to heaven so that you can go right away to God. In his fourth year of studies, the young Gaspar was able to enter into the bishop's high school and stayed there until he finished his classical education in 1890. His teacher wrote on his final report card, he was of an ordinary intelligence, but very diligent and very committed to do his duty well. I never heard any word of criticism of teachers or students, any complaints. He was always a good boy, much loved by his friends and never corrected by his teachers. At school, Gaspar was often teased by his fellow students because he was too good, because he spent his free time visiting Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and was often given over to prayer when the other boys were playing. They nicknamed him the Straber, which means dreamer. Gaspar put up with their complaints and their teasing, but he was also determined never to fail in carrying out the good works that God was asking from him. While he was in school, he became the sacristan and even the prefect of the Marian Sodality. When he was 16 years old, under the guidance of his confessor, he made a private and perpetual vow of chastity. And on February 2nd, 1888, the Feast of the Purification, the Presentation of Our Lord in the Temple, together with some of his friends, he enrolled in the Third Order of the Franciscans and took the name Brother Aloysius after the great patron of seminarians, Aloysius Gonzaga. During his spring and summer holidays, Gaspar would return home to be with his family. During these vacations, he would take friends on pilgrimage to the shrines around the neighborhood, climbing mountains to venerate and visit the chapel at Kalberstein, and to bring with him the children, preparing them for their first communion, teaching them their catechism, helping them to pray. Every morning, the young man would get up at 5.30 in order to go to a Mass that was celebrated at the Franciscan's church. Then continue his prayers and the divine office, and at eight go to another Mass in the parish church together with the other seminarians from the town who were home on their holidays. The students looked up to him. They saw in him the ideal seminarian, 
and even nicknamed him Father of Students. One day during one of his walks on the mountainsides, he saved the life of one of his fellow seminarians who was just about to slide off a cliff. In February of 1889, Gasper had to interrupt his studies suddenly because of a very serious illness. The doctors gave him up, thinking that all was over. Later he was able to say, Jesus granted me the grace of receiving the last sacraments fully aware of all that the priest was doing for me, even though because of my fever I had lost consciousness already for several days. After almost a month in bed, the sickness finally left him, and slowly he was able to return to his studies. It seemed at this point that God gave him a special grace, which he credited to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, because from this time on, Gaspar's studies changed. In all of his examinations, he began to receive not only good and fair grades, but even very good and honors. During the last years that he spent at the college high school run by the archdiocese, his vocation to the priesthood became clearer and clearer. He was sure that Jesus was calling him to be a fisher of men, to go out and proclaim the good news to all people. Now he was teased again with a new nickname, but this was an affectionate one. He was called the pastor or monsignor by his fellow students. One of his companions, who was in the seminary with him for seven years, later testified, I never heard him speak a bitter or harsh word. I never heard even the shadow of a joke in bad taste. He was like an angel among us, but not proud, not affected. His piety was a hidden piety. It never tried to be seen, and he was with us always as friend and fellow student. Despite all of these signs of his vocation, some of his friends and family members tried to pull him away from the call to the priesthood but he never listened to their recommendations. Having finished his studies, he returned home with the red ribbon and cap that were used then for students who had graduated, and with his prize money, bought a small statue of the Madonna in wood and kept it always decorated with flowers and a burning candle in his room. In the fall of 1890, Gaspar, with great joy, as he wrote to his mother, entered into the seminary to begin his studies in philosophy. Even here he had his difficulties because one of the professors was convinced that the boy did not have the brains or the vocation to be a priest. Some of his other prefects recommended that he transfer to another seminary, but he preferred to stay there and to slowly, with prayer and renewed effort, change this other professor's mind. The next year, when he began theology, Gaspar felt himself completely at ease, and his studies went very well. He gave himself over with even greater commitment to study and to prayer. His only desire was to be a holy priest, and for this reason, as often as he could, he would pass hours in the chapel before the Blessed Sacrament. There, when no one was around, with his arms stretched wide in the form of a cross, and his eyes closed, his heart fixed only on Christ, Gaspar would offer himself to Jesus to be his priest, to be his disciple, to follow him wherever he went 
and to lead all men and women to his grace. He had such a great respect for the priesthood. He wrote, It is so holy, and it surpasses in blessings, in dignity, and in joy any other vocation on the earth. Can you imagine a more wonderful state of life than this, to be called a savior of souls before God and for all eternity? During these years in seminary, Gasper often visited the Redemptorist Father's house at Dernburg. The Redemptorists had been founded by St. Alphonsus Liguori, who died in 1787. St. Alphonsus, who later became a bishop in southern Italy, had founded his order to preach missions to the poor, to bring to everyone the good news of Jesus the Redeemer, and to teach all people that with God there is wondrous and copious redemption. Gaspar read his life and was filled, filled with faith because of the examples and the words of this great bishop who was later named the patron of all confessors and the patron of moral theology in the church. He also read the life of St. Clement Hofbauer, who was the apostle of Vienna and especially an apostle to youth. Whenever he came back to his family from the Redemptorist house at Dernburg, his face glowed with a special love. And soon his mother was saying to him, You know, every time that you go to visit the Redemptorist Fathers, there's something different about you. Slowly it became clear that Christ was calling Gaspar to serve him as a priest, not as a diocesan, but rather as a religious <clears throat> in the congregation of the Most Holy Redeemer. He went on pilgrimage to the Shrine of Our Lady at Altürting, and there, on the 21st of September, 1892, he became convinced that this was indeed the vocation to which God called him. Exactly a year later, he wrote for a letter from the novitiate at Gars, Our God, so infinitely merciful, enlightened me so well on the religious state that I no longer put up any opposition to this call. Moved by his grace, I reflected, without ever having read about it, on the religious life as being the life in God and completely for God. From that moment, Gaspar hastened to translate into practice the inspiration that came to him from heaven. In the first days of October, he asked permission of his archbishop and of his family to join the Redemptorists. His mother, despite her sorrow at losing her son, accepted willingly God's call and said to him, it's far better that you become a real religious than a poor diocesan priest. That evening, after praying the rosary together with his family, he tried to convince his father to give him his blessing and permission to enter religious life. But Gaspar's father had another dream for his son. He wanted him to be a diocesan priest so that he could take care of his sisters, so that he could bring them with him as housekeepers into his rectory and make certain that they were cared for. And also, he didn't want his son to enter into a religious order because as recently as 1872, when Gaspar was a year old, religious communities had been expelled from Germany during the Kulturkampf. With a heavy heart, Gaspar decided to leave all the same for the novitiate, sure that in time 
God's grace would move his father's heart. And so, the next morning, having attended the 5.30 Mass with his mother, and having made a final visit to the chapel at Calverstein, he left for Gars. Three weeks later, he wrote to his parents, I have left you to follow Jesus for his love. Why are we here on earth if not to serve God? Be happy for me, because here I'm doing just fine. I'm never sorry for my decision, not even for an instant. I followed the Lord's voice. After long years of reflecting, praying, and making sacrifices, I've made this step, and now I've abandoned myself completely to God's will. During his postulancy and the year of his novitiate, Gasper grew in great love for his religious vocation and for his own congregation. St. Alphonsus had written that in one year a religious can save more souls than a person living an entire life in the world, by example. At the end of the year's novitiate, the Father Master wrote a report to the Superior General saying, Brother Gaspar has the highest intellectual attitudes and spirit, and he has shown during all of his time in the novitiate such a wonderful and surprising fervor that he's been considered by all of the novices as a model of regular life. His great progress in learning and in the interior life make us hope that he will always remain a pearl of the religious life. On June 16, 1893, in the presence of both of his parents, grateful for the grace that God had given their son, Gaspar made his first vows at Bernburg in Austria, where he stayed to continue his theological studies and prepare himself for the priesthood. He was ordained on June 16, 1895. After some eight days of retreat and preparation, which was customary at this time, Father Gaspar celebrated his first Mass at Birchengarten in the presence of his family and his neighbors and friends. After the Mass, people commented to each other that he seemed like a new St. Aloysius Gonzaga standing at the altar and preaching. In the retreat that Gaspar made to prepare himself for ordination, he had asked for his spiritual director's permission to wear a penitential belt or hair shirt three times a week until after he had finished his morning Mass and its thanksgiving. Young Father Gaspar wanted to volunteer for his priestly ministry in the two new missions in Brazil that the Redemptorists had opened in 1894, but instead his superiors sent him to be the assistant, principal, and teacher at the missionary school or minor seminary of Dürnberg. Some of the students who came to that school, it seemed, were better prepared for a reformatory than a minor seminary. But Father Gaspar found himself able to be fair with everyone, lenient and gentle towards those who were less able in their studies, kind with the poor, and severe with those who needed to be corrected. His usual way of correcting a student was to send him to the chapel to give him time to pray and reflect and think about God's love for us and our poor response to that love. The Redemptorist Father's Church 
and rectory, was at the bottom of a hill on the edge of a wood. The minor seminary was some 250 meters higher up the hill in a separate building. The director of the students, who was also the rector, lived with the fathers down in their religious house. While up at the college, Father Gaspar stayed constantly and had the title of assistant. It was his job to watch over the students during their recreations, their classes, and their sleep, to accompany them three times a week on a walk in the woods, to give them a weekly conference and some spiritual reading each day, to eat at table with them and to watch over their games, to take care of their funds, to teach Latin, and also religion to all the classes. Every time that Gaspar made a retreat, his proposal was always the same. I want to be a saint. The means that he used were faithfulness to his rule and devotion to the Blessed Sacrament and to the Madonna. His daily rosary was the place in which he met the Mother of God and with her contemplated the mysteries of her son's life. Although he had many extra obligations, Gaspar didn't want to be dispensed from even the least obligation or duty of the Redemptorist rule. In all things, he wanted to be an ordinary religious. And he wrote in his diary, I want to hate dispensations as much as I hate sins. One of the witnesses who later gave testimony at Father Gaspar's beatification inquest said, in Gaspar, obedience was changed into flesh and blood before our eyes. Because of this, Gaspar's superiors often asked advice and opinions from the younger man at a time of difficult decisions. And once that he had expressed them, they said that his opinion was worth that of ten others. To all of these many commitments, to all of these many duties, Father Gaspar also had some very personal sufferings. The superior who was assigned to the school was a man who was impatient by nature and who couldn't understand the commitments, the dedication, and the meticulous ways in which the young priest carried out all of the obligations that were given to him, particularly those of the rule. Every day, Father Gaspar spent an hour and a half in meditation a half an hour in preparation for Mass and in his thanksgiving, another half hour in the recitation of the rosary and the evening prayers that were prescribed by the Redemptorist rule. Like the other teachers, he could have asked for a dispensation from his briefery from the Divine Office, but he loved the briefery, and he saw it as the continuation of his daily Mass, and so never asked for permission to be dispensed. Often this meant that Gaspar's work continued until midnight, but every morning he was up punctually when the bell rang at 4.30 to begin his day with prayer and praise of God. This explains why two or three times he became so weak that the young man collapsed while teaching. And another time, having prostrated himself on the floor, to say his customary three Hail Marys before going to bed, he was found stretched out there in the same position in the morning. In the fall of 1899, the 28-year-old saint appeared to be more tired than usual. It was attributed to all of the extra work that he had had over the summer term, 
and also to his own penances and restrictions in eating and drinking, and also from the other voluntary penances that he made use of. Despite this, he took on to himself the work of packing up furniture and other goods which were going to be destined to a new college at Gars built for the Durnberg students. As soon as he arrived at Gars at the new house, he blessed it and began immediately to preach three courses of spiritual exercises so that the students could make their retreat. But during these days of retreat, he was taken by violent pains in the stomach, pains that the doctors could not identify. It was only on the 25th of September that the doctors realized that Father Gaspar was suffering from acute appendicitis, but by now the appendix was rupturing, and it was too late. Once more, Gaspar was given the last sacraments of the Church, the anointing of the sick, the plenary indulgence, and the last meeting with Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. He received these sacraments with great faith, completely aware, and profound devotion. Despite his own humility, he confided in some of his closest friends, I have been faithful, and so I'm not afraid to die. He died the next day, September 26th, and he still was less than 29 years old. During his last hours, a letter arrived from the Superior General of the Redemptorists, naming young Father Gaspar as Superior of the House and Director of all the students. In 1935, Father Gaspar's remains were moved into a chapel dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which was built next to the great church of the Redemptorists at Freising. At that time, Cardinal Fallhaber, in his sermon, said that this young priest was a shining star for the Archdiocese, for all students, and for the whole Christian Church. In the name of the Church, Pope John Paul II recognized that this man was heroic in virtue and in life, and so, on April 24, 1988, Gaspar Strangasinger was named Blessed, so that he might inspire all of us to the love of Christ and the love of our neighbor, so that he might lead young men whom Christ has called to the priesthood to a deep and passionate love for Jesus, the Savior of all. May Christ Jesus, priest and king, bless and protect all of you, and may his love fill your days with peace. Amen. Thank you for listening today to the program Blessed Among Men and Women with your host, Father John Horgan. 